2: more and more content available it's harder to know what's worth watching and what might be a waste of your time there are many hidden gems out there waiting to be discovered and we want to help you find them this is trailer rewind a podcast where we discuss and review recently forgotten or overlooked films that are now available to stream at home
1: a yeah, question. Okay. What what kind of endings do you prefer? Depends on the story. What happens in yours? In my story, a man sets off on a long voyage and overcomes one obstacle after another. And on the last page, he has to decide to continue his life in exile or to come back home to what was once his home. Dad, do you want to tell me something? We all have regrets.
2: Everything is
1: open. Why does everyone continue to refer
2: to Dad as if he's not here? What is he? Today is June 22nd, 2021, and the road's not taken is available on Hulu, Hoopla, and Canopy. <laughs>
3: Putting all those names together. They get, they get clever and more interesting
2: all the time. Yes, ex- exactly. Well, Hulu is the paid right. service. Hoopla and Canopy is that service for those of you that uh, maybe you're watching your budget and you've got a great public library system. Check out Hoopla and Canopy. There's always great films available there. And all it takes is a public library card. If your public library system is part of the Hoopla and or Canopy services. This week, we've got The Road's Not Taken, and JJ, it was released into an astounding three U.S. theaters on March 13th, 2020. Gotcha. Right at three. the height of uh pandemic starting to go big in the United States. Oh, yes. yeah.
3: I wonder if it beat The Hunt or if it was after The Hunt. It's really funny to hear actors who were in films around that time talk about those movies and what, like, lost... How lost mm. they are. Betty Gilpin talking about the hunt. Oh, this yeah. one would be really interesting to hear from this cast.
2: And well, here's the thing. Is it played for one weekend? So I don't know if COVID oh. really impacted its release schedule or not. It played for one weekend and made $3,310 in the United States.
3: Well, March 13th, if it it, it definitely affected it. I mean, yes, it, just three theaters. I mean, of course, it's going to be a low number, but it, that that is prime COVID time. March yeah. 13th, for sure.
2: However... Later that year, in September 2020, it was released in the United Kingdom in 232 theaters. And it hung around for a little over a month, making $101,000. What? That's like a COVID special. Yeah. How do you do that? Well, and with this cast, you would think, you know, these are recognizable. These are big names. You would think that this would be a film that would get a wider release. Three theaters didn't make a lot of sense to me unless they had the Studios had already been talking with theaters about shifting distribution of all of that because it did have a expedited digital release. It became available digitally home on May 26th, 2020. So they may have decided to cut their losses and just go straight to the home video, you know, two months later. But this is one that... I have some ideas about why it didn't get a wider release, but we oh. can
3: talk about that quite a bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, I'll drop can... some hints before the spoiler section, for sure.
2: <laughs> All right. So this is a film that has an unconventional structure. Do you think it's non-linear storytelling? Is that how you would classify this? Well, my argument is that it's not storytelling. Oh, oh okay. That
3: it it, it uh, actually um, shuns the idea of telling a story. And it's more of a a window into a a period of time, Uh, and in a very sort of, and in an an innovative way to see a period of time in three different vignettes. But I think I'm I'm really happy to talk about this with you because I I always appreciate your take and sort of alternative views and what could be brought in in terms of symbolism and things like that. But because that sort of comment that I say initially to say that I don't believe that there is a story to be told here as much as it is a. A view of something. I think that might be because I'm missing some of the 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 underlying story that I wasn't able able to get to. So I'm really interested to hear your take on it.
2: Well, I think an important piece of background information that is important to have, and this was something I didn't know going into the movie, uh, but as I did a little bit of research about this to just prep for the show, um, writer director Sally Potter, her brother Nick Potter, Nick Potter was diagnosed with frontotemporal dementia in 2011, and oh. this is something that's typically diagnosed in younger patients in their you know mid-40s mid to 60s and can result in language difficulties, memory loss, problems with cognition, planning, organization, and unexplained behavior changes. Got it. So knowing that, I believe, yes, this is a very personal film for Sally Potter. Uh, her brother passed away. Knowing that information, I can see that this may have been just working through making sense of things or just brief or a lot of personal things, because I yeah. have that sense from the story, the narratives, whatever we're going to call them, that we're presented with, that this is working through this, as we see with our, our main character uh played by Elle Fanning, young woman that is... Taking care of her father played by Javier Bardem. Uh yeah, there's a there's a lot of family, I don't know, drama caretaking with this again. We've we've talked about the whole, you know, caretaking as an adult of, right. of someone. And I that's I guess sort of the theme that we had for these past three films with this, The Endless, and Please Stand By of sure. a, a sibling or or child you Know taking care, you know, as an adult having responsibility f- for someone that has uh some challenges with right. being able to, to I guess, function or or fit in uh into typical societal expectations. So that's the story ish part of this. But is this an easily accessible film? Is this something you can just sit down and and watch? I guess got me back to your piece about not being a narrative you know
3: right so uh, i'd say no it's not easy to just sit down and take in i you know interestingly enough when i use for usually for trailer rewind films i don't read synopses or uh watch trailers or anything before i did read the synopsis for this film before i got in and got this idea of this sort of um sliding doors aspect or this sort of three lives, three choices and stuff like that. And I got that a little bit from the story, but that's not really the way the film is delivered. The film is delivered in a sort of, it it makes me wonder if Sally's idea here was really to sort of tap into the, uh, I want to say supernatural. I don't necessarily mean supernatural, but the sort of the differing ideas that could be attached to a disorder like the dementia that was being experienced by her brother and saying, um, is this the only life he could have led or would different choices have put him in a different place? So if it was her way of creatively coping with what was going on with her brother, I don't know that if that's true. I think, you know, that's a really interesting way to look at it. But that being said, looking at this story and, or this, what they put on film here, it's really a a tragedy told in three parts or in three ways about a single person's life and how it is how it could be tragic regardless of choices and that Mm. when you talk about accessibility it is it is a deeply uh i don't even want to say dramatic it didn't feel dramatic to me it just felt it's a deeply heavy film and you have to sit with it and you have to feel all the feelings that you're going through and you have to appreciate that negativity and the art that can be brought out from that negativity because the narrative isn't clear necessarily. It could be these things that we're talking about, about her experience and her creative idea about what could be experienced for these people. But it's not really told that way. It's told for you to sit in this heavy experience with all these different choices that Leo could make. And it's it's it, it, it takes work. I, I think it takes work. So in terms of accessibility, it's not easy. And I and, and and I have personal stories that we'll get into when we get into the spoilers and such that made it extremely difficult for me to 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 take and to work through.
2: Well, I'd say it taken at face value, there's there's nothing complex about about the film. Of we we get these scenes, we've got these three storylines, you know, or, or life experiences that that we see with our main character, but each of those is relatively simple. So, you know, right. when it's talk about accessibility, it's not that it's a confusing film. I think if you look at each of those on its own, you get a sense of here's this beginning, middle to end of this sequence of scenes that this character is experiencing each, each of these times and or you know, places and or times. So that's that's the piece that, yeah, you could easily sit through this and say, OK, I understand what's going on. I see all these characters that I see cause and effect of, of actions and consequences. I understand the dialogue, all of those pieces. So it's accessible that way. But the way the stories are sectioned up, uh, I at a certain point, I thought this is almost like watching a sort of a mind bender movie with an unreliable narrator with the audience being removed outside. If you looked at this from our main character's point of view, well, if if he is our, our our main character, but if we, if we saw this film and we were really sort of that first person in Leo's watching, you know, following him through this, uh, I could see that being this disorienting experience, but we get it from Molly's perspective or this, I guess Sally Potter's perspective where we more removed from it, yeah. uh, allow, allowing us to see a little bit of the mechanism because of the connections, you know, between I guess the shifts that happen as right. as Leo's perhaps consciousness moves from one place to another. Uh, we can see the the connections either in words he's hearing, actions that he's taking. We can see the logical transition from one to the other, um, so that helps orient us, but yes what does this all mean what is this all trying to say is it trying to say anything uh i think that's the challenging piece and i think that's why a lot of people r- really have struggled with this movie uh in terms of either understanding it and again is it is it meant to say anything right. I, well and that's yeah. the thing what yeah. i
3: would say because you know i'm I'm particularly affectionate with mind benders and, yeah. and these kind of things where you question your reality um of course i was troubled by the um By the malady that that led to that Mm -hmm. within this particular story but um it's not explicit enough to be categorized as a mind bender and what you the what you your your last point there is really important to say that um is it supposed to be are we supposed to know i don't think we are i think it is really meant to be artful and for us to really kind of interpret um, in specific ways, however we want to. And that is, there are specific points in the film that kind of point to that. And I think we'll talk about that when we start getting into spoilers a little mm-hmm. bit. But um, I don't think it's meant to have this sort of direct through line. If it is, it's um, it's very much obscured. And um, and I wouldn't be comfortable calling it a mind better. I, of course, was hoping for that when I read the yes. synopsis. But um, yes. but I wouldn't call it that because I was left more with the plain Plain is a rough word, but I would say the plain experience of mm-hmm. sitting in this tragedy three different ways throughout mm-hmm. the experience of the film. So, Okay.
2: And I, I guess the other piece that uh, makes this challenging is just the subject matter, because it's dealing with taking care, you know, an adult having, you know, Molly having to take care of her father and just dealing with that head on of someone who... Uh, is incontinent, so you're at the the dentist office. So it 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 creates some uncomfortable moments because it's things that I think, at least here in you know American society and culture, people don't talk about these things. These are personal, yeah. private yeah. things. Of you're out with your father, he wets his pants. You have to change his clothes. That's not that's an intimate, personal moment, and there there are several of those throughout this that I just felt this makes me feel uncomfortable because I'm. I'm in this moment that I feel like I shouldn't be intruding on, uh, yeah, because it is this very personal space.
3: Yeah, and we'll talk about that a lot because I did that for five years as a primary okay. caregiver for my yeah. mother, um, and it the the problem with it is that the point that the point that Sally's trying to make here and the relationship between Molly and Leo and how they're working through this day that's really just a struggle. That struggle is definitely real, and I would put out there for caregiver caretaker. Trigger warnings. Like it was really hard for me to watch that in this film. But in addition, the space in time that the two characters exist in that leo exists in in terms of his condition and that Molly exists in in terms of her decision making about his caregiving is not consistent for what is being experienced in the film and that's really tough for me to watch when I'm trying to get there emotionally with everything that Molly's going through even though I desperately don't want to <laughs> because I lived it but um but no but that's that was one of the things that was really hard for me and so we we'll talk about that more when we talk about specific issues with the film but um but that's something that's hard so, as a caregiver, if you are in that environment or you um, are sensitive to that environment, be aware that that it will be troublesome when you're watching this film.
2: Okay, I, yeah, I wanted to make sure we got that out in the front end so people can know before we we jump in whether they want to delve into this uh, sure. film before before you know getting further into the podcast. So, based on on this. Uh, this reaction that you've had to this how how does this how do you rate this movie this is the the challenge right how do you rate something that puts you in this awkward space that's uncomfortable yeah. position
3: so i i i rate i rated it fairly low because of the fact that i couldn't find the narrative and that i didn't get what i wanted from it i gave it a one and a half stars and actually it's that's pretty generous considering where it ended up on my flick chart um I gave it one and a half because the cast is spectacular, and and their performances are all fine. I mean they're they're all they're all good acting performances, but it it just didn't have any legs for me. It didn't go anywhere, and a lot of the art that was done in the filmmaking of the film was I found that there was value there, so I, I did want to give it. Uh, I wanted to give it stars for that. So that's why I ended up giving it one and a half stars. But for my place and for a film that I want to see and for what I'm looking for in film, it's extremely low on my flick chart. It comes in at 253 out of uh two fifty-eight. So that's right <laughs> okay. down to the bottom. It's between Jason Bourne and Green it's it's above Green Book. So let's let's give it that, <laughs> right? It's right okay. above Green Book, so it's above a best picture winner. Um, but I yeah, Green Book's a whole <laughs> different story. But no, um it's really not a film for me, and it um, and and I wasn't able to get there with the art, but I want to give it the respect that it deserves in terms of what it was trying to do and the cast that it did it with. So that's where I'm at.
2: I had a different reaction. We can we'll get into the reasons that I th- rated it because it I did have to sit with it. I did have to think about it. I did have to orient myself and try to. Through this experience, what meaning do I take away from it? I don't know that, again, it's not anything that's very clear. Oh, here's this theme that's that's really clear, good versus evil, or, you know, triumph of the spirit in the face of adversity and those things. There's nothing clear, you know, even conflict wise, there's not a lot of like heightened conflict on this to say, oh, this is what she's trying to say. This is the position she's taking. So for me, I I had to sit with it, make some meaning out of it as a result and I can ex- I'll explain later but I ended up with 3 stars on this which is right about where I start with things it it didn't do anything that was lasting or enduring for me that I'm going to come back to this film a lot anything below 3 is where I start to get into that extreme frustration it's a failure to execute on its concept I was able to to Find something to attach to this. And so that's why it ends up at three stars. It ends up on my flick chart right about middle ish, three forty one out of seven forty-five. Putting it in an interesting spot, just two spaces above it is demolition. So another okay. movie with sure, you know, heavy it's my top and, 20. And grief and uh, all, so again, but yeah. I didn't ha- I didn't have the same reaction to to demolition right. that that you did. Um so that's just sort of in that middleish ground, but it's something that you could sort of see where I'm coming at it from. You, sure. You've got demolition way up here and this down yes. here, I'm more sort of hitting them both in the middle because it's, I'm appreciating them, but I don't have that same personal connection. Right. That I think that it's, you know, part of your experience with these over sure. on Letterboxd, it has an average review of 2.5. 2. 5 based on only one thousand nine hundred and sixty three reviews Ooh, this that's is... small
3: that might be the smallest that we've done that i remember
2: yes it is very okay. very small over at imdb it has a rating of 5.2 based on 1699 votes so yeah, well below 2000 low. not a lot of people have seen this perhaps because it wasn't in theaters. And I think even from the trailer, it, it's given you a sense of, this may not just be for everybody. And right. if if you think this is your kind of film and you don't want anything spoiled, this is your chance to pause the podcast and go check out The Roads Not Taken on Hulu, Hoopla, or Canopy.
3: Tell me what you found. Tell me what, what you hung your hat on on this film. <laughs> what I hung my I really hat on. Because okay. I really want to give it the grace that you oh, that that you bring to movies like this because I definitely uh, did not find okay.
2: It. So we've got three, for lack of a better term, timelines, and again they're they're yep. not they're not realized for me. This is this is all an exploration of of memory, I think. And we've got our main storyline, our current timeline, which is just like a day out. It's like Molly shows up; she's got to take her dad to the dentist and the optometrist. Nothing exciting in those events events in it, of itself. However, what we're going to see is due to her father's condition, these ordinary tasks become huge obstacles. They're they they are major undertakings. It's, you know, at the beginning we see her on the phone to work. Oh yeah, I've just got to take my dad to these appointments and I'll, I'll, I'll be in. And then later on, I'm not going to make it into the office today. I'm not going yeah, to make a it. Yeah. And she's a
3: reporter, in. by the way. You want to yes. get me another trigger? Like, she's okay. a reporter <laughs> taking care of her sick parent. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All these things that were my yeah. life.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it, exactly. Very, very, very personal experience here for you. Right. So that, that's the main storyline. And it takes, course, basically, we get 24 hours is the, yeah. the full day from her showing up. And that's, we get that from the apartment buzzer and, and Leo's in bed. So we learned early on that, you know, he's somebody that they can't take care of himself. There's um, a housekeeper or, or an assistant or I'm not exactly sure what her role is. But Xenia, she's there to, you know, she's in-home caregiver, in-home yeah. caregiver, I guess. Is yeah. that OK? Yep. All right. So she's there to help and assist with all of that. that. Uh, so that's that's basically, you know. Go out, do those things. Some incidents happen along the way. Get him back home at the end of the day. He goes off wandering into the night. In near the end, and by the time things wrap up, he's been tracked down and back at home with his daughter. That's yeah. pretty straightforward. What is woven in between that are two storylines. One somewhere in Mexico with Dolores, played by Sami Hayek, and there's he, he start. That's the that's our first sort of shift is to Dolores with Leo in bed and she's trying to get him to come to some event that he does not want to go to. He says, it's just this, it's become this carnival. It's this, you know, what does he call it? Like a a public display of grief that's turned into a carnival or something like that. So yeah. it's, he does not want to go there. We don't know what it is. We will find out. But it's basically husband and wife or couple and disagreeing about what's going to go on during this day. She wants to go. He doesn't. They get in the car. There's disagreement. Um, that, And we'll get into the sort of the culmination of that story because that's where there's some meaning for me. And then the other shift is Leo uh, in Greece, you know, there. Yeah. And um, by, himself. A, by himself, he's a writer. There's some like young 20-something girls there that he strikes up a conversation with. He explains that he's a writer and he's trying to finish his his book. And he explains what the ending is that there's, you know, this character has to make this life choice to either remain in exile or go back to his family. Uh, and will they accept him? And one of the girls asks, well, how long has he been gone? And he says 20 years. And they're like, no, they, they've moved on. Right. And so the question is, is this his story personally, or is this the book he's writing? Um and so we get we get just shifts between these three stories or narratives. And at first I thought, oh, these are this is these are things that have previously happened to Leo. Because we don't get any dates or times or anything like that. Um, at one point when he's in Greece, he does as he's talking to the girls, he explains that oh he has a daughter that's oh probably about your age. And so we don't know everybody's age, but okay. Molly's probably in that same age group. The girl says, Oh, so she's probably around my age. So we thinking, okay, maybe this is what happened just before getting back to mm-hmm. the United States. I never States. thought that. And that yeah. might
3: be because I read the synopsis beforehand. Okay. But yeah. I never so, I never was cued into them being parts of the story You never thought that they story. were
2: okay. So but quickly you realize, okay, there's they're they're not, because we get a right. scene later on with um Leo's ex-wife um Rita played by Laura Linney um right. and and she explains oh Dolores was you know his love when you know when he was younger uh so clearly the story that we're getting is Leo's maybe thoughts on if he had stayed with Dolores what would his life have been like if he had Ooh, stayed with his Dolores? thoughts
3: on it that's a whole different take on what's so, going there
2: so so that's okay if he's Reflecting on oh if I had if I had stayed there what would it have been like and then with Greece because we find out very much near the end that uh, Molly says oh yeah what, when I was little Mom said you went away to Greece to 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 write and then he came back We're so right happy away. you came back yes exactly so so Greece is his thoughts on if he had stayed there right thoughts so, on okay th- thoughts on. I'm thinking of okay. his. His brain of if I had made this choice, so and when you say thoughts on, are you saying the thoughts of a person with dementia?
3: That or are you saying I don't know a story that his brain is creating?
2: And that's what I don't know, and that because it's it's not clear if he's in control of where his mind is going, if he is uh, clearly he was a writer, so is this his imagination just running away? Uh, taking taking memories and building you know a different life experience for him to get lost in, sure. or is this his um, reflection? on And it's it's not clear. But what right. I d- did tie it all together is that, and I think you touched on this in our you know opening discussion. Is there's no happiness anywhere? It is it is tragedy yep. no matter what. In the story in Mexico, we find out that they are journey on a journey to a Memorial for their, their son, that their young son that they lost because Leo let him walk to school by himself and he was hit by a car and killed. Uh, so if he had stayed, um, he would have lost his son. And then in Greece, uh, trying to connect with this girl, he
3: becomes Not, the creepiest creeper ever. He,
2: he, yes. And then he gets in the boat and he's following after them. Um, with, he, what was he thinking? I, Why I, would he I do that? I don't know. Why he would loses, anyone do that? He loses his wife and daughter and he dies in the boat. Uh, and how then, does he wait?
3: How does he lose his wife and daughter in that? Well, he just because, wa-
2: he left them. Well, he left them. So they are, right, they are yes, lost yes. to him. So but then so again, he, he's he has a heart
3: attack as he tries to he, catch up with 20 somethings yes. that he has no business following and mm-hmm. has a heart attack and dies out in the middle of a. Yes, exactly.
2: And then with our main story, Molly. Dementia Leo. Dementia Leo. Due to her choices that she's made to take care of her father, she's seen the impact on her career. And she's going to have to make a choice. And she briefly mentions that, you know, she's going to have to make some tough, some tough choices here. And we see two Mollys. One stays with him one leaves Uh, that That
3: shot was smart is he alone
2: is he alone again are we seeing that molly is actually leaving and his dementia imagination whatever kind is creating another reality for him to get lost in where molly is there taking care of him and is that his way to redeem the loneliness that he's seeing in the other two if i had done this no that's no good I I lose my son and I'm alone. That was not the right... I shouldn't regret my life choices and have stayed in Greece because I would have died from a heart attack. I'm better here because Molly's here staying to take care of me. And is that the reality he set for himself and so for me i think
3: that's amazing i think i think if you see leo as the main character i think that's a if you see dementia leo as the main character which is really tough haul for you if you approach this movie (laughs) and go my main character my point of view is an is an unreliable narrator with frontotemporal dementia and this is how he chooses to console himself with his adult mind that is really tough but um earlier on when you first brought up you said that molly was the main character and i and i don't i mean that might have just been a slip but if you think about that if you reposition the story then yes and you say this is molly then taking on the uh, the the creative leap that we have in this film to see the three different timelines that are done by these different dim- dimensions or these different these different ways of looking at life that choice where we see the two mollies is, is her sort of picking up the baton and saying. My choice to stay with him would have led to that. And now here is my next choice. This is my first, maybe my first time in, in my life where I'm going to make this major choice and going to watch these paths diverge. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, I think, yeah, I just, Um. yeah, I, I like your interpretation of, of Dementia Leo, but that's, wow. When I think about all of what's in this movie, mm-hmm. if we're really meant to understand Dementia Leo's work, it's just... Oh, that's so much
2: <laughs> well that that gets to a scene that I think is really important that I want to I want to play a clip for okay. um which is when they are um uh, in the hospital I guess the the setup is uh on their journey they're in a, in a taxi and this is one of the moments where Leo is we're, we're at a transition point from one reality to another let's call it and he's with Dolores they're fighting he goes to get out of the truck and that reality, which means here in the city with Molly in the cab, he opens the cab door, he hits his head on the way out, falls to the ground, he's, he's bleeding, they call 911, he ends up in the hospital, and Rita, Molly's mother, is there in the hospital.
1: I didn't even ask where you were going when all this happened. I went to the dentist, and now we're going to the optometrist, if we ever get there.
2: Can you manage?
1: Look, do you want me to come, too? I I suppose I could rearrange some things and... Nestor. Nestor is there. Nestor. Nestor is no longer with us. He's in heaven. No. Doggy heaven. No. He was a very good dog. Uh, uh, Nestor. Nestor.
2: Is he getting agitated? We can give him something to calm him down. Why does everyone continue to refer to Dad as he? As if he's not here?
1: Well, is he? Oh, what is that?
3: It's great to put this on film and to make a story about this to understand the plight of a caregiver that is in direct relation to the person needing care. Mm -hmm. The the difficulty that I have with it is it's very clear throughout the film that Molly should have some insight into him not being there. There is no twinkle of presence from Leo throughout the film. There is no, even when sometimes the dialogue suggests that, oh, you're here, this is, he's not, th- 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 it's not really presence. And because of that, if Molly was as integral in his life, as is suggested by the events of the film, specifically her taking him to do all these errands while the in-home caregiver waits, which this is a direct experience that I had in my life, she would be very aware of That sort of situation. And those doctors saying that, talking about him that way and and in that, that would be very common based on the fact that they can't get a reaction from him. I had the exact opposite experience because my mom didn't present as adult she presented as all there. And so I constantly had to convince the doctors to not trust what she was saying. (laughs) So it was, it was, it was the opposite in that, like to talk about her care, I mean, and she was non-ambulatory, so she had different uh, challenges as well. But I mean, that's the thing. If you are living with it to the degree, which they are suggesting that Molly is living with it, her confusion about his place and her Mm -hmm. leaving him alone at, Costco to walk away and be on the phone. This is not stuff you would do because you would know if you have to be there to get him in the dentist chair and Mm -hmm. to get him to open his mouth and to get him to calm down, you wouldn't do that kind of stuff. So that's that was really hard for me because that was inconsistent. And maybe that has I mean, maybe that speaks directly to Sally Potter's experience. So I don't want to take anything from that. And that moment that Molly is exhibiting here when she is confused at why everyone is switching Mm -hmm. and referring to him as to to dad as him. And that that moment is very key. But that suggests that this day, this 24 hours that we're that we're seeing is this specific shift where it happens. And we just don't get that from any other character. Rita knows. You know, everybody else knows. So why is Molly not alone for the ride? She's the primary caregiver. She would know more than anyone. And that was something that was really hard for me to deal with.
2: Without having that personal experience, I was wondering if this is okay. Molly's defense mechanism is just denial that it's, she. you know, is that is that realistic? I don't know, because I did I did wonder at some points like it's really clear that he's not there, and you haven't accepted this because it's it's very apparent, I think, to to every viewer that everything that we see that he what words that he say have no connection to questions he's being asked, any of that. Uh, there is one one moment that I I wondered about at, at the Costco where they're in the parking structure and Molly's on the phone finding out what's going on with her job, and and Leo is wedged between two you know two lines of shopping Uh carts and i thought yeah at first i thought oh he wandered off and then i thought oh no molly put him there put him there so he cannot go wandering off she just and you're down there he's not going anywhere and i can have i can deal with my life i can do that and i thought okay if she's at that point where she's realizing i have to basically restrain him from wandering off there's got to start to be some acceptance of he's he can't and you the know, doctors
3: the doctors would not have let him go, to right. be honest, because yeah. of his care needs. I mean, yeah. my mom was nowhere near what he was dealing with. And the mm-hmm. doctor said, You can't cannot take her home until you tell us what the care plan is for her. Okay. Yeah. And that and and I mean they they have a responsibility to that. Right. So oh, sure, sure. Um and maybe and maybe Molly would step in and say, I'm gonna take care of him. But that's I mean Then the story is about Molly and then we need to know so much more about what's going on with Molly and her her life as it changes. So that's that's where I got into this really difficult thing where I was saying it's inconsistent because what they're showing us in this film is something that's very severe and needs a lot of care. It needs 24 hour care. Yes. And the moment you realize that is not the moment that they put on screen that happened uh, in my estimation that happened months ago, Uh, other unless he Mm -hmm. had a massive stroke the day before this. Right. This time that we were watching, yeah. so, um, so that's. I think your your comment about denial is is fair, but um, but that was one of my biggest uh, difficulties with this film,
2: because I, you know, in, in my attempt to pull everything together and say what is this, what am I taking away from this? Again, if I if I take it as Leo as main character, dementia Leo as main character, and his, and being conscious about these reflections. I look at this as a film about about sacrifices that he's making, and that then ties into Molly's decision at the end, which is, you know, by you know the the Dolores storyline of that relationship and losing a son, and, and the impact that has on that that relationship. Uh, Greece, you know, of choosing the his writing over his family, because as he has that conversation with the young woman, he says, "Oh well, you know." left because I needed to concentrate on my writing. And she basically says, Saddest so did, thing you, I ever heard. did you sacrifice your daughter for your book? Basically. And I thought, okay, maybe that, you know, if, if I'm looking at that, that as Leo consciously thinking through this of, okay, if I did sacrifice my, my wife and daughter, and I can't get them back for my book. Then what is his motive in pursuing these these twenty something girls on the big you know cruise liner or whatever? I I that's the part I have trouble with. It does yeah. I can't I can't reconcile any logical choices that he's making that says yes I'm going to go out in a rowboat and, and chase after these girls. I I can't find any rationale for that. So I, I struggle with that. But I think about the key moment really being about the choice of a an artist to sacrifice relationships, family in favor of art, and then still feeling unfulfilled. And that then leading us to Molly's decision of I've either got to give up my job to take care of my father, or I've got to change my relationship with my father to focus on my career. And so for me, it was about these these sort of intentional choices of having to You know, sacrifice something, which are never easy decisions. And to me, that's sort of what I came away from this of thinking, is this what Sally Potter is trying to get at is to, through her personal experience, letting people know that there are tough choices to be made in life. And you can think you're making the right choice and you don't, that you're not guaranteed a happy ending no matter which choice. So, and
3: there is, a, and it is a sacrifice because yeah. I mean I was told by doctors all the time that um, that n- there are so many patients that don't have a person
1: yes. who steps up for yeah.
3: them like that yeah. and 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 then the weird thing is while it's admirable that Molly does this or while it's admirable that I did this the reality is in essence it is a choice mm-hmm. and uh, and I mean I had tons of fallout because of that. I mean, different people in my life assumed that the choices that I was making was instead of them to take care of my mom, which I totally didn't want to do. You know what I mean? So this is this is the choice that Molly is faced with: is that does she do what she thinks is right, or does she do what is right for her?
2: Right. And
3: yes. that sacrifice. Yeah. Again, if you if you're taking sacrifice as the theme here, that is a um, that's a really bold statement to put out there. And and maybe that again. I'm I'm trying to give it sort of the grace here of that might be Sally Potter's experience.
2: Right. What's interesting is that allegedly there was a, I guess you would call it a fourth segment, a storyline oh. with Leo and ha- being in a relationship uh, with a character played by Chris Rock. And so there okay. was this this gay relationship between Leo oh. and this Chris Rock character that apparently was cut during the editing process. Which is one of the reasons that you can look at this and say, okay, this 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 film, given this cast, all of this, to to turn in a film that's going to come in at you know eighty five minutes. That's really on the short end of things. But if yeah. you think, oh, if there was another storyline, add on another twenty minutes or so, and okay, we're getting close to two hours. Oh, but if it had a happy ending, I would be all for it. Well, <laughs> and that's what I don't know. <laughs> or some is, sort of resolution, like, right? Come yeah, on. I don't don't know what that. <laughs> is but you know there was i guess you know just enough hints out there that this stuff was shot got cut uh sure. perhaps didn't fit in. maybe because it didn't have a happy ending or it, it was something that did not fit in with the final edit of looking at what this was coming together as did not make sense but i'm I'm curious to see what that may have added, if that would have redeemed something, if it would have brought some light to something that is very dark. But ultimately, she chose this is the story that she wanted to present, which is quite the downer.
3: Yeah, it is. And and that's and that's a really key thing. So there is no resolution. There is no relief in this film this film is heavy throughout and there i had to take breaks you said it was 85 minutes long for me it was probably like three hours because i had to be like okay (laughs) let's just go and 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 think we're gonna go meditate a little bit about how i can separate myself from this in this life Uh, you know and that's the thing i think um you have to be okay with the heavy and you have to be seeking something like this this has Mm -hmm. to be something that is whether it's healing for you as an audience member or something that is inspiring to you because of a personal life experience or someone in your life like this i think that's what's necessary for that and that unfortunately leaves it really low in my rankings because it's the kind of thing that it's for a very small audience and um and had a negative effect on me
2: so if we set aside story because this this is interesting in a recent board episode, I talked with Ocean and Andy about the Kevin Hart film Fatherhood, and there were oh, all kinds great. of all kinds of story issues we had, but the performances were really solid. And this is a film where, I, again, I look at this. It, Salma Hayek doesn't have a whole lot of s- screen time in there, but if we look at right. Javier Bardem and al Fanning, um I think you know, I was uh, all aboard for for this cast, and I think get, with what they're given. Um, this is one of those challenges of an actor, I think, giving a a really solid performance with a story that's not working as hard as they are, you know, to to get there. And again, speaking to, you know, not understanding fully what Sally Potter may have intended or all that, but as an audience receiving this, I could say I was in those moments with them. And I think that that's, if I'm watching something, I feel like I'm intruding on a private situation between a father and daughter, this it's it's doing it right i feel that i'm i'm there the you know the way things were shot i think looked really good all these things i felt like this should be a much better movie and that's maybe why i'm at the three star because i i can't fault the film for really good performances i i, I loved you know all the stuff in mexico we sort of earth tones red yellow hues to that greece is you know bluish and then we've got of course our regular just sort of like gritty greenish you know city thing so if like maybe it's the
3: sequel to traffic
2: each place had its own (laughs) feel i mean the colors the colors are the same colors that's why i'm saying that yeah yeah. it it is it is it's it's, i mean it's standard but it each 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 you know place had its own feel to it um, and so I, I look at technically all these pieces, I think this is all working together really well. I don't know how happy Sally Potter is with the outcome, if it's what she intended or not. But again, I think that's why I'm going to skew to the, the higher rating because I think it's doing everything and I'm going to I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll stretch my metaphors as far as I need to, to say, okay. This is how I make sense of it.
3: It's not abstract. Yeah. There may be abstract ideas that are in it that I'm not able to reach, but it is impressionistic. And because of that, like, I just found myself saying, just tell me the story. Where is the story? Yeah. Um, And you talked about the performances. I... It was tough for me to stick with Elle Fanning a lot. I think she did a great job, again, with what she was given. But that inconsistency of character and understanding was really difficult for me to to get. And when she was trying to prompt her father to do certain things, when it was clear that that's not going to happen right. that was tough for me i mean i want to give again i want to give her grace in that performance but she it it, it yeah. was really yeah. tough for me to believe what she was going through so but i agree all of the all of the performances were 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 relatively solid and um and i think that uh, what i'm looking for from a film is just something a little bit different than this
2: not that many people are watching it those that are watching it not getting great reviews i think it's a right. a film that may find a very small audience of people that may really connect with this again it is very challenging watch i think again for for people that are dealing with similar situations it can be very triggering uh unsettling uncomfortable it's yes it's not an easy watch for for those reasons it's a you know it's it's a an exhausting film but it's not like oh it's not a tearjerker, it's not those things, but there is something just draining about it. And I don't know if it's the, the empathizing or, if, you know, for you, it may have just been more out of frustration of the, yeah. this does not, this, no, this is not not connecting with my experience of what this looks like. This is a very sure. skewed version and perspective on this type of situation. So clearly not not the film for everybody, but that wraps up sort of our trio of films here. I'd say okay, two out of three. We're we're good out of that. I think, yeah, I'm I'm with you on two out of three. On that okay, sure. I, yeah. I, I will I will again. I, I will definitely watch. Would definitely watch. Please stand by or in the endless again. This yeah. one, uh, yeah. I. I hate to say it, but I'll probably forget about it in a while. Yeah. Uh, but again, not not the most horrible experience. The but-
3: endless is the one I would point to as the best because it has the most specific aim. It's the easiest yes. to recommend based yes, on is. what you're what you're watching there. So yes. that I I think the endless was the, the my favorite of the three.
2: Well, our next trio films we're getting into. I think it's about relationships and. Parents and kids okay. is our our first one. Is uh, next film coming up is Landline, which is available to stream on Amazon Prime and Hoopla. It's uh, from 2017. There isn't, I think, there's two films called Landline that came out that year. So this is the one that is set in 1995 about a teenager living with her sister and parents in Manhattan and discovers that her father is having an affair. That's Ooh. Our, our next trip to where sounds like drama of- and intrigue. Yes. We- we will see how well it plays out <laughs> Yeah. again, because this is one that, uh, when I read that description, I'm like, okay, it's it's not my thing. You know, stuff that, right. you know, I'm like, okay, family, drama, but uh, I think there's going to be something to this one, so we will have to see. Give me when... a twist. Let's yes. get a twist. Let's do something different. And uh, <laughs> So that, JJ, I'll be looking forward to talking to you about Landline next.
1: Allie, I revised the Michigan app. Do you want to talk through the comments with me? Not really, because I don't want to go there. You need to cast
3: a wide net. Allie doesn't want to go anywhere unless everybody wears berets and they all smoke clove cigarettes and they all make their own hummus, but they eat it out of Frisbees.
2: Thank you for listening to Trailer Rewind. If anything we said here entertained, educated, or even enraged you, we'd like you to tell people about this podcast. Whatever your listening platform is, please share, rate, and rate or write a short review. It helps other podcast listeners find us. If you enjoy connecting with other film fans, you can become a member of our community on Discord. It's free, and there's always an interesting dialogue or debate to jump into. You can also financially support us perks include early access to episodes, exclusive Discord channels, the opportunity to chat with us live before we record an episode, and the warm feeling you get knowing you are contributing support to the behind-the-scenes resources that help everyone here at the Next Real Family of Podcasts. So please join us on Discord or become a supporter. Either way, we would love to have you be part of our community. Hondo